This is a Valerie Moss original podcast. As you know, I've been dabbling into the wonderful world of audiobooks, now publishing more than 20 titles. I'll feature these on my show every so often and maybe entice you to give a book a listen you wouldn't typically think of. Maybe it's Buddhism to improve your happiness. Maybe it's Wicca. Maybe it's about the keto diet. There's links to all of these books in my show notes. Enjoy, listen, and leave me a review or a comment if you feel so inclined. Today's audiobook feature is Buddhism for Beginners, a simple guide to learn and practice Buddhism meditation, improve your happiness, and reduce your daily stress and anxiety with mindfulness meditation training. In this book, you will learn an introduction to the different types of Buddhism, schools, Theravada, Burmese, Mahayana, Nichiren, Vajrayana, spread of Buddhism and the course of events of the Dharma in current Buddhism as in Buddhism today. The impermanence in Buddhism, the principle of impermanence and what it is, plus rehearsing. The simple guide to learning, the right view of life, advantages of right understanding, a life plan, obstructions, unwinding. Five precepts of controlling being careful with bias and propaganda, family life, practice of benevolence, liberating the mind, mindful breathing, confronting death with equanimity, and the good Buddhist. In chapter five, practicing Buddhism meditation and types, mindfulness, adoring kindness, empathy, grateful joy, composure practice, concentration meditation, zazen, reciting practices, and tonglen. In chapter six, the meditation techniques for beginners and others has concentration, body scan, self-meta, which is loving kindness, strolling, being open, kigon, day-by-day task, thinking while driving. Chapter 7, Meditation Positions, things like posture, positions for beginners, quarter lotus pose, Burmese posture, kneeling meditation, sitting in a chair, lying down, level flat on the ground, straight spine, full lotus, standing and strolling meditation. Chapter 8, they go into adoration and kindness, cultivating an open heart, loving kindness, cherishing kindness, traditional beta meditation, and cherishing kindness in daily life. In Chapter 9, How to Meditate, Getting Results, and Regular Practice. Chapter 10 is Mindfulness in Daily Life. Mindfulness and listening, careful listening, halting and listening, planned questions and reflecting back. 
Chapter 11 is careful eating, the benefits, techniques, and reflections, when and the amount to eat, and being tuned in when you're eating, instead of being distracted. Number 12 is monkey mind, what it is and working with it. Perceive the monkey mind. Utilize the breath. Develop metta, loving kindness. Practice self-compassion. Notice reactions to monkey mind. Use awareness triggers and practice mindful consumption. Yes, there is a lot in this book, but it is so valuable, especially if you haven't given this religious practice much thought in the past. I know I haven't, but I do reflect more on the mindful spirit now and being kind. No complaining, staying positive. One time someone said, if you can think of something that made you smile a few times a day, it sets you in a better mood. Think of this. A cute kitty or a dog rolling around in their own moment in the sun. Doesn't this just make you smile? See, I told you. And how about this one? Seeing a baby giggle? (laughs) Yep, gotcha. It makes you feel good. Here's a preview of one of the chapters. Enjoy! What is mindful listening? Have you at any point seen yourself holding on to talk when another person is talking? We as a whole tune in without resting our awareness 100% on the experience we are having. We rather fall into speculation, judgment, or perhaps focusing on something different altogether. Careful listening is the act of tuning into the experience of tuning in with insight, acknowledgement, and nearness. In the event that we needed to give a solitary meeting to careful tuning in, we would state that it is the nature of tuning in with our whole awareness of the experience. When we tune in with mindfulness, we can tune into a couple of things. We might see what the individual is stating to us and increase some understanding of their experience. Or, on the other hand, we might see the response or reaction we're having in the brain body, or enthusiastic field. Whatever is emerging, we return to the here and now, the experience of tuning into this individual talk. Careful listening practices. Figuring out how to tune in with awareness isn't as straightforward as flipping a switch. Like figuring out how to think, it is a training that takes some time. Here are a couple of practices we work with to help develop the capacity to tune in with our full awareness and nearness. Halting and listening. The first practice in careful listening is generally clear and basic. When you're listening to someone during your day, stop and tune in. Regularly, we chat on the telephone while doing dishes, having a discussion while composing an email, or mess around on our telephone while having a discourse. Rather, attempt to interruption and truly tune in. This is only an initial move toward careful listening, however, a huge one. 
We can't completely listen when we are accomplishing something different. So stop and truly push toward listening. When you have the desire to accomplish something different, come back to your goal to tune in. This can be an incredible method to rehearse meditation at work. As we can do this without anybody understanding, we are committing vitality to work training. I end up doing a whole range of things while on the telephone and truly attempt to stop and be available with the discussion before me. Give it a shot. Planned questions. This is a training for which we need to put aside time and discover an accomplice and originates from our practice for two online courses. You can do this with a huge other, a companion, or an understudy of yours. Know that it tends to be fairly awkward and defenseless, so ensure you advance security in yourself and the other individual. Start by picking one individual to talk first and one individual to listen first. You can port and will have the chance to rehearse from each finish of the dynamic. Set a clock for five minutes and pick up an inquiry to pose. When the clock begins, the individual talking has five minutes to talk without interference. This is a training in the careful discourse and training in listening for the individual not talking. As you talk, research for yourself what comes up. What has a sense of security and where you channel yourself while listening? Attempt to be available with this other individual. Watch their words and experience. And notice what you end up deduction while the individual is sharing. If the clock runs out, take a breather before exchanging jobs with a similar inquiry. You can truly pick any inquiry you need. However, here are a couple we like to begin individuals off with. What is something that brings you satisfaction? What is something that brings you bitterness? Tell me about someone you appreciate and why. What are your most profound expectations and aims for yourself? Reflecting back. This is an excellent practice in both careful listening and careful correspondence, all in all. We can begin with a comparable establishment, as in the past. Sit confronting each other and put aside 15 minutes or thereabouts. You can utilize one of the inquiries above or maybe explore an alternate one for this training. A couple we like are, what is something you are battling with? What you have done that makes you stand with pride? What do you turn upward to and why? What's a troublesome circumstance you face normally? Like the above inquiries, these are simple proposals. You can research for yourself what is helpful. We offer these as recommendations to research the work on. Recalling that the work here is truly in listening and not the substance consistently. One individual can respond to the inquiry for five minutes without interference, and the other individual recovers an opportunity to reflect what they heard for two minutes. When reflecting back, the individual is simply sharing what they heard. The objective isn't to share profound experiences or counsel. Rather, share what you heard the individual state. In any case, it very well may be wise to hear our considerations go back to us by a companion. This encourages us to listen cautiously and practice truly realizing what we're hearing.
The last practice is somewhat unique and is established in a meditation practice. There is a wide range of types of Buddhism, and one tradition is known as the insight tradition or vipassana tradition. Vipassana implies understanding explicitly into the idea of the experience. In the event that you've done a traditional vipassana meditation or taking note of training previously, this ought to be natural. If not, no stresses. You can practice so anyone can hear with this technique for developing the capacity to listen carefully. Like different practices, we'll go each in turn. You can pick one individual to begin with and set a clock for a couple of minutes, any way long you see fit. The individual talking will be just noticing whatever emerges as far as they can tell, while the other individual focuses, however much as could reasonably be expected. With Vipassana, we're noticing whatever emerges. You can utilize the brief, quote, right now I see blank. You might see the individual's grin, the sound of a vehicle passing by, or whatever else is going on. Keep on taking note for all to hear what comes up in your awareness. For the individual listening, this is a training in both careful listening and perceiving the humanity of the other individual. We can see that the other individual's experience may not be as quite the same as our own as we expected. The mind works correspondingly, which is the reason we are called one mind dharma. Key points. These are simple practices for developing careful listening. Working with these can truly enable us to figure out how to sit and tune in with awareness. As it is, despite everything we need to go out into this present reality and practice, here are a couple of approaches to breathe life into this training. Come back to the present. Much the same as we do with any training, we can work on returning again and again to the present minute. This is our main event with breath meditations in Samatha practice, and we can do likewise with listening. When you see the mind meandering, return to the individual talking. We may need to do this over and again. However, it takes ceaseless development. As we bring the awareness back again and again to the individual talking, we develop the capacity to be available when listening truly. Resting in the body. When listening to somebody, we can generally come back to the body to perceive what is available. Frequently, our reactions and responses have a physical angle. We can see when we develop tense, when we are drawn towards something being stated, or when we are fomented. As you keep on examining the body's response, you will start to see obviously what it resembles to tune in. When resting some awareness in the body, we can use both tune-in and knowledge about the body. Consider it a 50-50 split in awareness. Tune-in to what is being stated and where the body is at. Notice the responses and reactions that emerge. This can enable us to remain grounded and present while listening, seeing more obvious what's happening. Watch the planning mind. Frequently, the mind starts arranging when another person is talking. It starts concocting a reaction, contemplating different things, or simply meandering. We can see when the psyche does this and note it in our minds. 
We don't have to push the arranging mind away or oppose our experience. Rather, note it is going on and come back to really listening. Careful eating practices, tips, and guidance. What is mindful eating? Careful eating is actually as it sounds, the act of being careful while eating. Above all, what is mindfulness truly? Basically, mindfulness is perceiving what's going on as far as we can tell from minute to minute. How the brain and body are reacting, and the off chance that we are pushing toward all the more misery or more liberation. This is obviously a distortion, yet we can utilize it for the present to comprehend careful eating. As senseless as it might appear to solicit, what is the demonstration of eating? Eating is the manner in which we feed our bodies, give ourselves supplements, and get our vitality to keep living. The act of careful eating means eating such that supports our development toward liberation. Eating mindfully means taking a gander at how we eat, what we eat, and when we eat, and why we eat so as to best deal with our own opportunity and straightforwardness. Careful Eating Benefits There are numerous advantages of meditation and mindfulness as a rule, and analysts are starting to discover a few advantages of careful eating. In spite of the fact that the exploration is still out, here are a couple of advantages you may see from eating all the more mindfully. Reduce overeating and voraciously consuming food conduct. Manage weight all the more effectively. Enjoy nourishment all the more profoundly. Feel increasingly fed and invigorated after a dinner. Absorb supplements from your nourishment better. You can look at this article for additional on the advantages you may find in your life as you're being rehearsing careful eating. Careful eating techniques. There is a wide range of methods to eat mindfully. You can utilize a portion of these as a devoted work on, putting aside explicit dinners to rehearse careful eating. You can likewise consolidate them tenderly into your everyday life and eating propensities to fabricate progression and ordinary practice. Careful Reflections One of my preferred careful eating practices originates from Thich Nhat Hanh and the Plum Village community. Thich Nhat Hanh offers a lot of five contemplations before eating that offer a strong establishment of training before starting to eat. These are intended to be genuine reflections, not simply something we read. The nourishment is an endowment of the earth, the sky, various living creatures, and much hard and cherished work. May we eat with mindfulness and appreciation to be qualified to get this nourishment. May we perceive and change unwholesome mental developments, particularly our ravenousness, and figure out how to eat with balance. May we keep our sympathy alive by eating, so that diminishes the enduring of living creatures. Quits adding to environmental change, and recuperates and preserves our valuable planet. We acknowledge this nourishment so we may support our fraternity and sisterhood, assemble our sangha, and feed our optimal of serving every single living being. These five reflections offer an approach to associate with relationship, mindfulness, eagerness, empathy, and solidarity.
You can delay before eating whenever to ponder these five contemplations. There's nothing more needed than a moment or two, and you don't have to do anything unique. We regularly sit peacefully for one minute before starting to eat. Perceiving these five considerations and enabling them to arrive in our brains and bodies. Eating mindfully. To rehearse careful eating, you can begin with anything of nourishment. I suggest attempting this training with something straightforward, like a berry to begin. This is now and again known as raisin meditation. In any case, I don't care for raisins without question. However, use something you by and by appreciate. Here are the means. Number one, as you experience this whole practice, stay aware of the third of the five contemplations. Tune into the snapshots of insatiability and want where the brain has a compelling impulse to pop the berry in and swallow it. Number two, begin with seeing the berry. Notice what it looks like, including the hues, shape, and sizes. Turn it over and perceive any abnormalities and changes. Truly focus on what this thing of nourishment resembles in your grasp. Number three, as you hold it, tune into the sense entryway of inclination also. Does the berry feel warm or cold? Is there a surface you can feel outwardly? Number four, take a minute to smell the berry or another thing of the nourishment. Without making a decision as positive or negative, essentially see the smell that is available. Number five, as you place the food in your mouth, don't begin biting it. Notice how the berry feels in the mouth. Notice the temperature, the nuances of the surface, and any taste. Number six, start biting gradually and see what occurs. Would you be able to detect an adjustment in taste or the surface of the fruit? Notice the juice of the fruit or any seeds. Give extraordinary consideration to the changing and temporary nature of the experience. Number seven, swallowing. Feel the berry as it descends your throat. Carry awareness of this experience and anything that emerges as you do as such. Notice the urge that frequently emerges to eat another quickly. You can devote some time to attempting this training officially. At that point, move on to a typical feast. Eating peacefully and at a moderate rate truly make your eating training in careful awareness. When we eat. Careful eating isn't just about practicing while we eat. We can adapt to the experience around eating. One spot we can put our awareness is at the explanation we're eating. Regularly, we eat when we are pushed, awkward, exhausted, and so on. This is known as pressure eating or passionate eating, and huge numbers of us do this. This can prompt overeating, nibbling, and the hankering for undesirable nourishments when we aren't even ravenous. The fact that you have the mind of doing this, you can utilize your self-information to help practice mindfulness in these minutes. Regardless of whether you're encountering weariness, nervousness, or some other experience, you can stop before going to nourishment. When you end up advancing toward eating, stop and wonder why you're eating. I frequently utilize the straightforward inquiry, quote, am I physically hungry at the present time? Or am I sincerely ravenous? 
Just by posing this inquiry, you offer yourself a chance to respite and check in. You can figure out how to contemplate in these minutes, carrying mindfulness to what is available in your psyche and body. As you do this all the more frequently, it will fall into place for check-in when you're eating. This can enable you to approach your troublesome, enthusiastic encounters with mindfulness and cherishing benevolence, as opposed to simply eating your emotions away. The amount we eat. Another way you can rehearse careful eating is by carrying your awareness of the amount you eat. We can eat a sound blend of nourishment. However, in the event that we over or under eat, we may not feel 100%. Studies demonstrate that when we are served more nourishment, we eat more. When you serve yourself, be aware of what you truly need. Sadly, we regularly finish the nourishment on our plate, whether we really need the majority of the nourishment. On the off chance that you delay down while eating, you are bound to feel fulfilled in the process of eating a little measure of nourishment. As indicated by Harvard Health, eating gradually allows the stomach some opportunity to process that it is full. Moreover, the hormonal sign is discharged by the digestive organs. The signs are intensified when we eat gradually, telling the body we are happy with less nourishment. Besides, hormones like leptin build the arrival of dopamine in the cerebrum, causing the demonstration of eating increasingly pleasurable when we to eat gradually. What does the majority of this mean practically? When you eat gradually, you are bound to feel full quicker, need less nourishment, and feel progressively happy with your supper. Give it a shot. Truly tuning into what you eat and eating mindfully, you may start to see that you don't require as a lot of nourishment. I see this when going on retreat frequently. As the days or long stretches of retreat progress, I wind up eating less and less as I truly tune into what my body needs. Tuning into what we eat. Next, you can focus on what you're eating. This is a characteristic piece of mindfulness practice. Focus on what you're expending and how it is affecting your body. We, in some cases, go for the simple, undesirable nourishment. Rather perceive that the decision to eat this may have a future impact. A few nourishments can make us feel languid, on edge, or undernourished. Prior to eating, truly inquire as to whether this is the thing that your body needs at this time. It is untrustworthy to expound on careful eating and not specify that we can likewise eat such that thinks about others. As you consistently tune into what you're eating, it's common that you'll begin perceiving the agony and enduring that goes into making our nourishment conceivable. A few people chose to eat a veggie lover or vegetarian diet as they tune in, while others limit their utilization of meat. Perhaps you perceive how far your nourishment comes and that you're supporting enormous organizations, choosing to purchase nearby. Whatever you choose to do, it's critical to remember the majority of different creatures, human and something else, that are affected by our eating propensities. In the wake of eating, you can manufacture mindfulness around your eating propensities by proceeding to focus after you're finished eating. 
Notice how you feel. Did the measure of nourishment, speed of eating, or nature of nourishment have an impact? Notice when you feel supported and stimulated and when the food leaves you feeling overwhelmed and tired. Focus on your own body and figure out how to pardon yourself when you commit an error. Approaches to work with monkey mind. This is an inquiry we get more than once, presumably in light of the fact that the vast majority manage monkey mind all through meditation practice. Regardless of whether the mind meanders to the future and fantasizing or is resting in disdain and the past, we as a whole face monkey mind inner training. At times it is gentle and we're ready to work with it, while different occasions it devours us. Some of the time we battle with the meandering personality, opposing it and creating pressure. Once in a while, we abandon our training, particularly when we're fledglings to meditation practice. There are various approaches to manage the monkey mind that work for multiple individuals, and it might set aside some effort to discover what works for you. What is monkey mind? Monkey psyche is a term that originates from the Zen and Chan traditions of Buddhism. It alludes to the perspective wherein considerations emerge quickly and we wind up lost. The contemplations many are various things, and you may experience the monkey mind reliably with explicit examples. Perhaps you end up lost in stress over the future regularly lamenting a past activity, or merely bobbing from irregular idea to arbitrary idea. Two of the elements on the Noble Eightfold Path are astute concentration and savvy mindfulness. This is basic Buddhist teaching, and one which is identified with our experience of monkey mind. At the point when the psyche is bobbing around like a monkey from branch to branch, we get trapped and might be sent for a ride. Frequently, when the mind falls into this state, we are neither concentrated nor careful. In that capacity, the eagerness of the monkey mind requires the development of exertion, concentration, and mindfulness. This can be particularly troublesome when we are simply figuring out how to contemplate. However, we can figure out how to function with monkey mind with steady practice. Approaches to work with a wandering mind. There are numerous approaches to work with a meandering personality. Numerous people discover various practices which function admirably for them. Yet here are a couple we've seen as valuable in our very own training. Number one, perceive the monkey mind. The initial step is to see when monkey psyche is available. This is a training in mindfulness of the psyche and can set aside some effort to develop. When you're ruminating, work on noticing the meandering personality. You don't have to fix it, judge yourself too cruelly, or attempt to make sense of precisely why the brain meandered. Just by carrying your awareness to the monkey mind, you can significantly change your relationship to it. Each time we see that the brain is in this state, we are reinforcing our capacity to see it later on. Meditation practice offers us a moderately controlled condition to perceive monkey psyche, and we would then be able to bring this capacity off the meditation pad and into our day-by-day lives. 
Number two, utilize the breath. Obviously, a concentrative meditation can be unbelievably advantageous in working with monkey mind. With a concentration meditation, we center our awareness around an article and work on bringing the psyche back when it meanders. This develops a gathered personality which can be with something without falling into interruption by other incitement. This is a type of samatha or quieting the brain. Like other meditation practices, working with the breath is a moderate development. As we keep on gathering the psyche on the body breathing, we manufacture the capacity to layer awareness of an article. At some point, the brain wanders. We take it back to the breath. Each time we bring the brain back, we are preparing the psyche and reinforcing the capacity of the psyche to center. This can be monstrously helpful in working with the monkey mind, particularly when drilled routinely. Number three, develop metta, loving kindness. Metta meditation can be another valuable method to learn with monkey mind. To start with, it is a training in concentration and we can utilize it to develop a concentrated personality. Moreover, the aim of metta practice is to create a heart of adoring generosity, delicate amicability, and altruism. By rehearsing metta reliably toward ourselves, we can prepare the brain to react as opposed to responding to the monkey mind. As we develop progressively delicate inner reactions, we can meet the monkey mind with persistence and intelligence instead of reactivity and judgment. This requires some investment. Yet, with reliable practice, we can drastically modify our association with the psyche, particularly when it is doing its very own thing. Number four, practice self-compassion. Managing monkey brain can make a considerable amount of pressure and uneasiness. This requires some self-sympathy. Sympathy is the second of the Buddha, Brahma, Viharas, and or heart practices. In sympathy practice, we take a shot at reacting with a minding nearness. When torment emerges instead of gathering it with abhorrence, developing sympathy can enable us to meet the troubles we involvement with persistence and insight. When we become receptive, we are regularly not ready to react with mindfulness and insight. Empathy can assist us with pausing and be with the pressure as opposed to attempting to keep away from it or drive it down. Number five, notice reactions to monkey mind. Mindfulness of the brain is a piece of mindfulness practice as portrayed by the Buddha in the Satipatthana Sutta or the talk on building up mindfulness. When we see that monkey brain is available in meditation or in everyday life, we can attempt to see what the response is. Frequently, the response is sustaining the enduring more than we understand. What is your common response to seeing that your psyche is meandering? Do you judge, disregard it, allow it to meander? We can see what our responses are and attempt to react with sympathy, mindfulness, and persistence. The mind isn't completely inside our control in each minute. 
and we don't have to think about it so literally. Watch your responses. Seeing when you fall into opposition, longing for, or revulsion. Number six, use awareness triggers. One of the advantages of meditation practice is that we can bring our mindfulness into day-by-day life. To help in this, we can discover approaches to energize careful minutes in everyday life. Because we may contemplate in the first part of the day, we frequently go into autopilot mode as we approach our days. Have a go at setting an awareness trigger. This is something that reminds you to come back to the present minute. It very well may be various things, and you may profit from exploring various triggers. We utilize a couple of things in our very own training and have heard a couple of understudies share their thoughts with us. At the point when your trigger occurs, pause for a minute to come back to the present. Take some breaths. Feel the body where it is. Listen mindfully or do whatever you takes back to your present time understanding. Here are a couple of awareness triggers you may take a stab at utilizing in your day-by-day life. The sound of a phone ringing or humming. Changing stance from sitting to standing or the other way around. Walking through an entryway, counting between rooms, inside, outside, and vehicles. Taking a beverage of water or tea, espresso, or whatever else. Brushing your teeth. Set a suggestion to go off on your telephone or potentially PC. The sentiment of strolling and the feet on the floor. Number seven, practice mindful consumption. At long last, perceive what you are devouring and how it may affect your experience. Some portion of the motivation behind meditation practice is to develop a mind that knows about circumstances and logical results, or karma. There might be sure things you're expending that add to the emerging of monkey mind. Albeit a significant number of us have various encounters, a few things we expend, which may worsen monkey brain, include stimulants like caffeine and nicotine, sugar and basic sugars, media we watch, tune into, for example, TV, motion pictures, music, news, and books conversation we have, and associations which cause pressure. There's a link to this audiobook and all the audiobooks that I've narrated and produced on my blog, Buddhism for Beginners. Um... What I love about audiobooks is it stays true to my theme of read, whether you listen to a book or you read a nice paperback that smells so good. Share your favorite books with me and I'll share you mine. Visit ValerieMoss.ca for more information.